Welcome to the Red Dirt Nation podcast. I'm here with Jody Thomas. And Jody, if you could just introduce yourself to the people who are listening in. G'day everyone. Um, I'm Jodie Thomas and um, I live in Childers, Queensland and I am married to Ben and we have five beautiful children. And we've just had a wonderful lunch together and Jodie's just etched out a bit of time so we can have a yarn. And I want to begin with um, with the beginning really and talk about uh, country for Jodie. Now Jodie comes from the area around Lawn Hill which might be known to some of you who are listening in. I know some people who think it's perhaps the most beautiful part of Australia, actually. And uh, so, Jodie, tell us a little bit about your country and uh, perhaps what it was like growing up or even returning there as you do every now and again. Uh, well, I am a Wani woman. So, uh, Lawn Hill National Park, or how we know it as Bujamala, is our traditional country. Um, so, I was adopted as a newborn. So I didn't actually grow up on country and um, I was adopted by a non-Indigenous family and grew up in Brisbane and in a completely non-Indigenous community. So um, there was times at school where I was the only Indigenous child um, and that brought with it a lot of um, hard stuff, a lot of bullying um, and, you know, in church and in community, didn't really matter where I was. The environment that I was growing up in was completely non-Indigenous. Um, so for me, that meant a lot of not feeling good enough, I guess, and um, always had to be the best at school and the best at sport and the best at music And because I thought that was really my only way to be safe, I guess, because, you know, when you're the sports champion or the, the top of maths, then people are a lot less aggressive towards you, I guess. Um, but always was taught, you know, sticks and stones will hurt my bones, but names will never hurt me. But that, as most of us know, isn't true. Um, so, you know, growing up, it was more about that I had to learn to deal with that, not that other people were doing anything wrong. So it was all on me. So it was my issue. Um, but, you know, life wasn't all bad and... My adoptive family certainly did the best that they could do, but there was always that culture missing for me. Um, and I had experiences, spiritual sort of stuff going on that there was no one in my, you know, in my community that could speak into that or even start to understand that. So that was pretty tough too. But, um, but yeah, that was pretty much my childhood growing up and... Um, always fairly conscious of being the only Indigenous person in the room, but tried to block it out, as you do. And um, But then when I was in about oh, probably 13 or 14 years ago, we actually went with Scripture Union to Warabinda on a uh, one-week uh, trip to hang out with the kids during the school holidays. And um, that was... A huge experience that was really my first experience of an indigenous community and I probably spent the first few days crying um, feeling so overwhelmed um, and that but there was lots of conversations like who's your mob and where are you from and all that sort of stuff but I didn't have any answers for anybody so that week if nothing else really made that question come to the front of my mind 
um, it also was really our first experience of, you know, a lot of the kids wanted to come and see Ben because he's not Indigenous. So they wanted to know why I married this white fella. That was the question of the week. <laughs> Miss, why you marry that white fella? And, um, but by the end of the week, I said, they said I could keep him because he was pretty good. So <laughs> He is pretty good too. So, um, and uh, I've had the privilege of knowing this family for, for probably 10 years now. And um, just, a, just a wonderful story. But like all stories, not without its difficulty and, and uh, heartache. So you were taken away from home country and the people who looked after you did the best they can. And you've been, you've been great in just honoring them for that. You reconnected with family and country in more recent years. Tell us a little bit about that journey and, uh, and how it was for you. Yeah, well, after being at Warabinda, uh, we were told that we could contact um, an organisation called Link Up and that they potentially could help reunite with our family. So, um, so I did, d- did do that. I went and contacted Link Up and it took them about nine months or so. Um, and then one day I got a phone call to say that they had found my brother and my mother. So that was really a phone call that I never thought would happen. I just thought it was in the too hard basket. But um, yeah, they found them. And so uh, did you connect over the phone at first and then eventually meet up? What was that like? And how did, how did you feel sort of coming across these people that are you know, really such an important part of your story? Um, yeah, it was pretty overwhelming. So initially um, I was contacted by my older brother um, and we had a good old yarn on the phone for a few hours. <laughs> yarning up um and then lots of emails and photos were getting sent and probably the craziest thing was that as the emails with the photos were coming from my sisters and my brothers and um, nieces and nephews that the kids just couldn't believe how much we all look alike which sounds you know most people don't think about that but for me I'd never apart from my kids I'd never really seen anyone that I look like so to be getting all these photos of people I look like was crazy so good. And mum and stuff, how, how was that? Yeah, well, she was living in Charters Towers at the time. So we actually were doing a trip up to northwest Queensland and we were able to include meeting up with her and her brother and his wife. Um, yeah, that was pretty overwhelming. He were, She was um, completely overwhelmed, as was my uncle. Just lots of tears, lots of, you know, for her, I think so much grief and guilt and all the rest that goes with it um but probably the biggest thing was you know your family that's it there's no question it's just you're a hooky and that's all that matters so and my uncle said you know he was just crying and crying crying and he said i've waited your whole life for this day you know wow that's powerful and listening in you must be feeling that too so uh well, that's, that's great. So there's, there's that family connection. I want to just talk now about country and you're returning there and how that feels for you. And maybe you could describe for us, some of us haven't been to that part of the world. So tell us a little bit about what, uh, what that part of Australia is like. Uh, it's spectacular. Um, so probably the best way to describe it is we, when we first went for the first time, we left Mount Isa lots of dust, lots of heat, lots of rocks, not much else. Um, We turned onto this dirt road and 
you know, a couple, an hour or so in and you come around the bend and there's all of a sudden pandanus palms and this absolutely beautiful oasis of a river that you drive across and then you're back to dirt and dust and rocks and more red dirt again and you come around another bend and there's another river and it's just I just can't describe it it's just spectacular and the first time that we went up to there's a some waterfalls called Indari Falls and when you're walking in it was just so hot and dry and dusty and no grass or anything and you come up over this ridge line and look down and you just see this spectacular gorge with the most beautiful green water that's clear as anything and waterfalls and palm trees and fish and there was really no words I can't do it justice not just I've tried to photograph it and I can't do it justice either and how many times did you I mean I know you try and get back there when you can but how many times you've been back and and what does it evoke for you spiritually I suppose being on country uh, so probably the overwhelming thing that I found the first time I went there was that it um, it felt like home and I've never been there, which totally did my mind in because I couldn't understand how a place, there was just this point in the road that we drove over and it was like this instant feeling of coming home and safe and just that I just don't know how to describe it. So I've been twice, um, so it's been... 12 years since I've met my family and we've managed to get up there twice and both times it's been the same we drive in and it's just like oh I'm home um so yeah that's it's just really hard to put into words but um yeah well you have that as your home country but you live here in wonderful Childers and I'm looking out the window at their place they've got a creek that runs through it doesn't ever stop running so they live in a wonderful part of the world here on the on the coast as well. What brought you to Childers and, um, you know, what do you do to uh, earn a living and those sorts of things? Jodie? Uh, so we have a earth moving company. Um, that we, that's how we make our living. So um, I run the business, all the stuff that doesn't involve driving machines and Ben drives machines and runs the sites and the projects that we do. So everything from you know, clearing a block of land to um, you know shed pads and house pads and pretty much if it involves digging a hole and moving the dirt, then, then we're there doing that. So Shout out to Red Dirt Haulage. You can find them um, if you Google Red Dirt Haulage, if you've got um, something to do that needs moving in this part of the world, earth moving anyway. Now, Childers is a beautiful place. It's also a quite an interesting town. So how would you describe this town? It's in some ways typical of a lot of little villages up and down or around the Australian coast, but every town has its own thing. So tell us a little bit about Childers as well. Uh, Childers is, it's in the hinterland, I guess. It's a sort of half an hour off the coast. From, we have a beautiful beach of Woodgate, but then we're hill here and it's a little bit hilly, but we've got the creeks and, and things like that. But it's quite a pretty town with some quite a lot of history. And we have a beautiful old theatre that um, is heritage listed and it's just amazing to walk into. And lots of cafes and, and just it's just a really nice sized town where it still maintains that small community, but we still have quite a few services that, you know, smaller towns don't have those. So And we're close to Bundaberg and Harvey Bay. So kind of in the middle of all the beautiful area of Wide Bay Burnett. So check it out if you're able to get out about and travel. And if you come through Childers, stop and have a cup of coffee 
and maybe just leave a little bit of investment in the town as you go on the way through. Now we're heading up to NADOC week and it's an interesting week in this country. It's a wonderful, really a wonderful development and celebration as far as our national consciousness is concerned. We're not going to talk about NADOC week so much, but a little bit about culture now uh, from Jody's perspective and how she feels about her culture and faith and those sorts of things. So Jody, you, you sometimes have a time to go down to Woodgate and have a think about things. What sort of, um, what sort of things would you like to communicate to people listening when it comes to culture and faith and those sorts of things? Um, probably for me, the big thing has been that um, a lot of people have said to me that, you know, God isn't in the dreaming and that I have to, to really follow God. I had to give up my, my culture pretty much that there was, I just had to lay it down because there could be, God can't be in there. Um, so that just didn't sit well with me. So we, the last time we went to out on country up at Bujamala, we stood on the river and um, Ben and I had decided a while ago that we would wait for Holy Spirit to tell us what things we need to lay down and what things we don't. Um, so there's actually a storyboard on the river there at Bujamala that tells our dreaming story of creation and what how that works and who our, um, our Wedgetail Eagle is, our totem so and in our dreaming talks about how he would be the look after the spirit our spirits you know the keeper of the spirits and um anyway as i was standing there reading that story i was saying to god if you're here show me and as we're reading those storyboards i could clearly see the characteristics of god of jesus of holy spirit and i said to him where are you like where are you and are you here and he said to me of course I'm here you're my people I created you why would I not be in your dreaming and it was just like one of those real you know wow moments of oh my gosh that's so logical you know why would he not be in our stories because he he created us wow that's great and so you're a person of Christian faith how do you relate to some of those stories and culture and just give people listening in a bit of a, a window into your spiritual life, I guess, as someone who follows Jesus, but also has a proud and important cultural heritage? Um, for me, because I didn't grow up in culture, I have a lot to learn. So I can really only speak from my own personal experiences, and I'm sure I don't get it all right when I try and um, talk about it. But for me, I've really just, you know, I love learning about culture and I do one of my spiritual gifts is being able to see in the spirit so when I am on country or things like that I do pick up on things and experience things that a lot of people don't so I really do rely on my relationship with Jesus and and Holy Spirit to show me what is happening and I really rely on him to show me what where is he in it what does he say about it and um you know because there's something that I've realized and through that journey is that the same as what we know growing up in Western culture and Western church, it, there is good and evil. We, you know, there is God and there is the devil. And I can clearly see that in our culture and our spirit, spirituality too, that both kingdoms are operating. So, you know, God is so kind 
And in that relationship, he's really, you know, I have some places that I go with him, particularly when I'm on country, to sit with him and have that time out and and ask him, you know, what what does he see here? What's his perspective? What does he want to show me? And and you know, we have had to pray down some nasty stuff, but we've also he's just shown me some amazing things. And one time I was praying at a lookout and I opened my eyes and there was an eagle. I could have touched it. It was just hovering right above me. And it was actually in Cloncurry and behind me was a beautiful eagle painted on the water tank and the time before he I was really thinking about you know being sheltered under his wings and I went and actually stood under it and took a selfie under that eagle's wings but when I saw that eagle just hovering above me I'd actually been praying about the things that had happened on that land and how the healing would come and and he said to me it's time to stop hiding under my wings and to come and fly with me and I will show you what I see and he showed me where he was in all of that and what his dream is for our people and and you know there's always hope with him and um yeah so it's really is about that intimacy with him in learning because I don't have all the answers and I need him. <laughs> so good. You're listening to the Red Dirt Nation podcast. My name's Warren Crank and I'm interviewing Jodie Thomas. We're having a great yarn about her story. Some of it is to do with um, obviously growing up as an Indigenous person, particularly in her situation in a predominantly uh, white um, community. And there's, there's a sense for Jodie in which now as she has matured as a woman, a woman of wisdom, that um, she's feeling like God's asking her just to be a bit more uh, forthright about, you know, perhaps racism in this country and those sorts of things. And I'd love, Jody, just to hear a little bit of your perspective around that. Um, probably the last few years, what shocked me has been, particularly with all the discussions around Australia Day and how vocal it has been in social media and in the media, there's... Ben and I have actually endured the worst racism that we ever have. Um, we've had, I had one Christian woman tell me that I was a terrible mother because I married a white man and I have half-caste children and what kind of mother would do that? And it would just, and these things have happened quite a few times. And, you know, it's really shook me and really shook my identity. And I've really had to journey through who am I and who does God say I am? And then how do I navigate? Because people speak from what they see or what they've experienced, but don't always take that step back to really stop and listen and ask questions. And yeah, I guess for us, it's been about, you know, trying to have conversation and, and be in relationship with people because a lot of people make decisions out of relationship and a lot of people are making judgments on Indigenous issues, but they don't actually know anyone who's Indigenous. Um, or they haven't taken the time to sit and hear their story. And I think that's the thing that's we've been really focused on is making sure that we hear each other's stories and we take the time to listen and not make a judgment. And that's what we would hope for us as well. And, and you know, even to the point things were pretty rocky there for a while for me, just feeling shaken to my core for my, on my identity. And, you know, I even said to Ben, you didn't sign up for this if you want to go that's okay and he was like heck no like not wearing it together which I'm so blessed that he would do it because it, it has been brutal the last couple of years but I've come out the other side stronger because with God there's always hope and I guess for us our heart is that we're able to share our story because we actually do have both sides both perspectives um, that a lot of people don't have 
and you know I think my big thing is just take time to listen and don't make judgments based on what we see in the media because it's not always true and there's some recent data that's just come out talking about um, the Christian church in Australia and how we do or don't um, deal with uh, racism in a good way we're not going to quote the exact nature of the data but we were just yarning before we did turned on record just about some of the challenges for the Christian church when it comes to racism so Jody can you give us a bit of a reflection on that from your perspective I think again it's about you know we can sit in our predominantly white churches and I I don't want to sound like I'm being racist but it's a fact that most of our churches are predominantly white and try to speak about indigenous issues but are we speaking to our traditional owners in our local area are we connecting with the local land corporations are we actually having conversations and asking you know how what can we do tell me your story Uh, because sitting in church and saying there's all these indigenous issues but not being in relationship doesn't actually bring solutions and you know we need to be united alongside of each other not that one person has more answers than the other person you know and I, and I think too the other thing that I've realized is that for a lot of indigenous the church were perpetrators of the some of the abuse that has taken place and you know I know for us I saw a very confronting photo recently and it was in the mission one of the missions and the leader of the mission had a bible in one hand and was flogging a child with the other so that is a very conflicting picture for a lot of indigenous people who've experienced that so you know being in relationship and loving each other is what brings the solutions and enables Holy Spirit to move through those relationships and brings healing and connectedness and solutions that we can't bring on our own. Now, the work of Australians Together has been pretty good when it comes to uh, keeping people informed and creating connections. Um, um, Would you like to give a shout out to them? And and what are some of the things you think that are helpful about and how would you recommend people engage with that? Um, I would suggest they have some uh, resources on their website and I think the most powerful thing that's on there is people sharing their stories. So there's quite a few people that have um, been videoed and have shared what their journey's been like and what their story would be like, has been. So I would encourage people to jump on and and have a look at those stories and and just look at it as, as a person that's telling their story it's not about being right or wrong it's just that this is absolutely this person's journey and that's the story that they've experienced and um, you know just looking at things through that perspective so yeah big shout out to Australians Together to be able to put those resources together for people to have a look at check them out they're on Facey and um, and other great spots you can find them and we've been listening to Jody's story and it's been so good hasn't it they have children, a wonderful family, actually, wide range of age groups and some just coming through now. As we look forward, Jody, we've talked about some important issues for Australia's future, really. What are your hopes and dreams for perhaps your children and their children as um, we continue to, to be Australians together? I think for me in particular, it's, um, you know, Jesus is the answer. He has the answer. And when we're in relationship with him and in relationship with others, then 
we can bring those solutions. And, you know, it's my hope for my children and my grandchildren that growing up, they can share their culture proudly and they, it will be celebrated. And, um, you know, and I would hope that my children would listen to someone else's story as well, even though their story could be very different to their own. So I think, you know, that's my heart is that we really value each other as people and in relationship. And I think that huge things will happen if we can journey together and in relationship. How good. All right. Well, we're about to wrap up this yarn. And uh, one thing I always ask the people I interview is to give us a bit of a wisdom drop. If there was one thing that you wanted to pass on to people who are listening in, um, something that you've learned in your life and would like to pass on, what would that be, Jodie? Value relationship more than being right. So even if you have to agree to disagree to protect the relationship, do that. Boom. Well, you've been listening to the Red Dirt Nation podcast. My name's Warren Crank. We've been listening to Jodie Thomas tell a little bit of her story. I hope it's spoken to you, certainly spoken to me. And once again, I want to say thank you for listening in and we'll catch up with you down the track. See ya.